Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And he swings. Hits it high. And deep. And gone. Still going back. Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm Aram Layton. He's Jack McMullen, and we've got Rule 5 Draft Talk today. That thing crept up fast. It's already coming up tomorrow. That's December 7th, and we're here to talk about just about every prospect we can. Jack, we talked about it before. We've done our due diligence. We've done everything we can to try to compile as many names that we think have a very good chance of being taken and some of the best names that you know we think definitely will be taken. But I think we've kind of accepted that a few are going to slide through the cracks because this is the most loaded Rule 5 draft of all time. We're two years backed up. So we're working on guys that should have been Rule 5 eligible that might not have been ready at the end of the 2021 season. They're certainly ready now in 2022 to get their big league shot uh, and to land on a 40-man roster. There was a big time crunch with all 30 teams. You know, we saw the frenzy that Tampa ran with uh, right before the the 40 man roster protection deadline. I mean, they were they were wheeling and dealing and they still had to DFA a couple of guys. I saw they DFA Bly Madris, who, um, you know, played pretty well for Pittsburgh a little bit. And he was traded. He was, I think, the AAA World Series MVP. And, and here you are getting DFA'd and not even landing on the 40 man because that organization was just so backed up. Every team had to make some pretty drastic decisions, uh, and that left a lot of players unprotected. So like you're saying, there are way too many names for us to like nail who's going to go. Beauty of this is we're talking about it on Tuesday afternoon. The draft is on Wednesday. So on Thursday, we'll know where everybody is, and we can do like a recap episode talking about fit. Yeah, that's going to be way easier. And I'm very excited to do that. Uh, we promised a little primer, so we're definitely going to do that. And I'm sure there's a lot of you know prospect heads out there that are excited for this Rule 5 draft, as we are, because it's going to be fascinating to see how teams approach this. You know, you're going to have those high A, you know, arms or or brief stint and double A arms that the stuff is just so good. They've got two pitches that a team may take a chance and pluck one of those guys that may be a little bit more, uh, you know, buried uh, when it comes to other teams being on that radar uh, compared to other years. But then you also have way more quadruple A bats. And I say that in the nicest way possible uh, of guys that, you know, might be worth a shot for teams that are in rebuild mode. And then you have some stash bats and some stash arms that are interesting as well, because if you're a team, you know, that's extremely far off, like the Washington Nationals, let's say, 
you know, why wouldn't you stash a Ronnie Simon? Uh, you know, who's another guy from the Rays, as you're mentioning that the Rays have that roster crunch. Ronnie Simon, a guy that we talked about, a guy that really stood out to me in the Arizona Fall League, who I think is a really, really good player and will continue to blossom into a good player, but is still a bit far off, right? Had a good stint in double A, uh, but, you know, chase rates are a little high, has some things he needs to work through. I think he's going to be a good player. And if, if I'm a rebuilding team with a bad farm like the Nationals, I'm stashing that guy, uh, kind of like the Tigers did with Akil Badu. And I, I think Ronnie Simon could be this year's Akil Badu, even though he has a lot more experience at the upper levels and a lot more even high experience than Badu did. Uh, so that was one guy I wanted to get out of the way right away because he's not one of them that you're, you're going to plug in like a Jake Mangum of the Mets, you know, who I think could be a fourth outfielder tomorrow. Uh, but Ronnie Simon, a guy I would absolutely be willing to stash there. You want to start with the outfielders, Jack? We'll, we'll kind of fly through them, spend a little bit more time on the guys that you know we think have the highest likelihood of being taken, and then, of course, we'll get to the arms as well. Yes, I do. Before we do that, I, I do want to read the actual definition in MLB.com's glossary of like how the Rule 5 draft and how um, roster protections work after yeah, that a guy is selected. That would be smart to explain the thing. Right. Um, because yeah. we say like rule five. OK, what is rule five? You know, like what are the four rules before it? And I have no idea what the four rules before. Yeah, it are, I don't but even know why they call it that. Honestly, I'm not sure. It's like exhibit 10 deals in the NBA. Like what are the first nine exhibits before you get to the 10th? Um, but here are the first um, three paragraphs and this will be like 60 seconds long. I'm just taking this verbatim from MLB.com. They've actually got a really great glossary. If you're ever um, curious about certain things like super twos or mutual options, mm -hmm. just Google it, go to MLB.com's glossary and you can read through that. So this is the definition of, of the rule five draft held each December. The rule five draft allows clubs without a full 40 man roster to select certain 40 man roster players certain non 40 man roster players from other clubs clubs draft in reverse order of the standings from the previous season players signed at age 18 or younger need to be added to their club's 40 man roster within five seasons, or they become eligible for the rule five draft players who signed at age 19 or older need to be protected within four seasons. So that explains who's eligible, right? If you were a college pick, then chances are you've spent four years in your system and you were not out of the 40 man. If you were an international guy, those tend to be the younger guys because, you know, you sign when you're 16. If you hit age 21 and you're not, you know, protected on the 40 man, then you become rule five eligible. Quote, not every club will make a selection, but those that do pick a player must pay $100,000 to the club from which said player was selected. Rule 5 draft picks are assigned directly to the drafting club's 26-man roster and must be placed on outright waivers in order to be removed from the 26-man roster in the subsequent season. Should the player clear waivers, he must be offered back to his previous team for $50,000, so half of the acquisition price, and can be outrighted to the minors only if his original club does not wish to reacquire him for the $50,000. A Rule 5 draft pick can be placed on the Major League injured list, but he must be active for a minimum of 90 days to avoid being subject to the aforementioned roster restrictions in the next campaign. So you can't take a guy in the Rule 5 draft and just slap him in AAA, even if he hasn't debuted. The way it works is you take him, you add him to the 26-man roster, and then 
you pay that club that you took him from a hundred K. Yeah. If you do want him in minor league baseball, you got to put him on waivers and, and anybody gonna, can come up and, and he's got to clear waivers. And then the team that you took him from has to reject the idea or, or and say, no, we don't want him for $50,000. So Correct. rarely, rarely happens. Most of the time, the team will take him back. Uh, the player has to be really bad or had to, like had to have gone really poorly with his new team to go through waivers and then not be bought back for half the price because the team still gets to pocket 50 K like it's a no brainer for them. And it's not about the money. It's, it's the challenge of if I take this player, is he going to contribute to my major league 26 man roster, which we know even with the additional 26 spot, like it is extremely difficult to, you know, for teams all the time. They're always in a crunch at all times in a 162-game marathon. And that's why when you talk about stash, it's rare circumstances where you're going to stash a guy that can't contribute for you. So that's why most of the time we see bullpen arms because you still are always going to have that middle relief mop-up guy. You know, Zach Pop for the Marlins. I'm going to talk about what's closer to me and what I saw. Zach Pop was that for them in the beginning. Like, he'd come in and mop up duty. But as he got better and better and started to, you know, look like more of of a legitimate high leverage arm, they started using him in high leverage more. It's easier to stash a bullpen guy than it is a bat. So that's why it's always a little bit more difficult with the bats. And I think this year, it's it's as easy to justify as possible because these bats are a lot more advanced and a lot more talented than we've seen eligible in the rule five draft in previous years because of the multi-year backup. Like we talked about. Yes. A hundred percent. So, you know, if a guy gets selected in the rule five draft, simply put, they're either going to be contributing, contributing for that team and that major league roster, or chances are they're back on their old team. So just because a guy selected does not mean that he will be playing for this team. But the first couple of picks, they should absolutely be in in Major League Baseball, be on the 26-man roster. Well, and usually that's if you're going to take a guy, that's the plan, right? So it's going to be interesting to see what bats go. Um, We'll we'll get into the arms second. We'll start with the outfield, get to the infield, and then go to those arms to wrap up, actually. So I have – a whole article that we're going to put out at justbaseball.com. If it's out in time, it'll be linked in this podcast description. If it's not, um, just check out justbaseball.com, but I should be able to embed it in time. I'm going to start with Jake Mangum because I think he's one of the the easier easier guys to, to justify in terms of like, okay, I'm going to take this guy and he's instantly my fourth outfielder. Mets prospect. I was kind of surprised to see him not get protected here. He's not going to light light it up when it comes to what he does offensively, but he's an elite defender. I was pulling some clips and watching the video, Jack, like this guy can cover ground and gets unbelievable reads. So at the very least, you know, you've got that in a fourth slash fifth outfielder left-handed bat can run and he had a 118 WRC plus between double A and triple A. So at the big league level, if this guy's a 90 to 95 WRC plus player, which I think is very feasible. I think you can justify the pick here if you really need that fourth outfielder. And Mangum seems like a, a good option. Yeah, I mean, what's what's the jam, right? It's it's speed, defense, and bat to ball, and that's that's Jake Mangum's game. Like he's not going to wow you with anything really, um, except maybe the grit that he shows the up grit. to the ballpark with each and every day. So um, I've got no idea if Mangum is is a grit guy, but what he can provide you is like this surefire 
Um, no concerns defensively and serviceable bat in the eight or nine hole. So yeah. do you need an eight hitter that plays elite defense? Like think Adam Engel, but way cheaper. Yeah. Um, Engel was non-tendered. He's still out in the ether. Uh, Mangum is, I think, a, a better option here. Exactly. And I mean, you can also just plug him late in ball games, pinch run late in ball games. Like there, there's going to be value from Jake Mangum. A little bit more of a challenge uh, in terms of, you know, if he doesn't hit, it, he could be a clogger, which is why it's going to be interesting to see if this guy gets selected. I think he should. Is Ryan Noda. And I have him under outfield, but he's probably more of a first baseman. We've talked about him a little bit when we talked about the Dodger system. And, you know, you, you can probably hide him in a corner and he'll be good enough and right. He, he's a sneaky good athlete, just doesn't move as well as you'd think when it, when it comes to just tracking fly balls. But I mean, Noda, we've talked about him a bunch because he's just raked at every stop. Uh, well over 100 WRC plus at every single stop. So uh, this is a guy that really hits, I think, could be a very good option for them or for anybody who picks him up. But you got to really hope that he continues to hit because you're not going to get that a ton of defensive value. But at least he can play first and the corners. Uh, obviously, the Dodgers just couldn't protect him because they're so loaded. But Look at what he did last year, 259, 395, 474 slash line, 25 home runs. And he was 20 of 24 for stolen bases. If you want to talk about, oh, you know, good hitter environment there in the PCL, sure. But he also did it in double A. He also did it in high A when he was with Toronto. He even did it in rookie ball back in 2017. This guy has always hit and has a great approach. Yeah, so those are all the pros. The con is he's going to turn 27 years old right before the season starts. He, he'll he turn 27 on March 30th. So are you taking a guy that has played zero big league games, has a grand total of zero big league plate appearances um, at, at 27 years old to be on your major league roster? That's the con. But again, the pro circling back. The guys just hit everywhere. I mean, he spent a full season at every level, and he's just hit each stop, you know, he, he is the best hitter on each team he's on until this year in OKC. Like Miguel Vargas was better, but Noto was always in the lineup. You know what I mean? So the, the Dodgers, like they've just got younger, sexier, more exciting pieces, right? Miguel Vargas, Michael Bush. Um, you could even argue like a guy. I mean, Pajes, obviously, but you can Outman. even argue a James Outman or, or a Ryan Ward or a bit more sexy than Ryan Noda. But notice hit at each stop. And and it hasn't been like this drastic upgrade since joining the Dodger system. He was good with Toronto. He turned into a great minor league hitter with the Dodgers. Absolutely. And and a guy with a similar kind of output this past season in AAA uh, in a a sneaky good system. I know the Astros don't get the fanfare farm system wise uh, as as some of the others. But, you know, we were we we just talked to Joey Loperfito, Astros prospect who is you know rising as quick as any. And that episode will be out tomorrow as well. And and Loperfito talks about just how there's so many dudes in that system that just don't get kind of like the the Braves that, you know, that they're going to be big leaguers, but don't get that top prospect kind of, you know, attention. Corey Jolks gets pinched out. Um, and he's an outfielder who's older as well. But Jokes had as good of a season last year as, as, as you could really ask for. Uh, and I look at this guy, and I'm thinking, man, I, I figure someone's going to take a chance. So Jokes hits 270, 351, 503 last year in a full season at the AAA level, 31 home runs, 22 stolen bases, a 22% K rate, 9.5% walk rate. 
To give you an idea, though, I know those numbers sound insane. You're probably like, wow, why is he not protected then? That only gave him a 108 WRC plus in AAA there. So it shows you how hitter friendly it is out there. But at the other side of it, the batted ball data is pretty impressive. 105.4 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity is well above average. He pulverizes fastballs, but struggles against breaking balls and breaking balls, sliders, curveballs really carved him up this year. So I think the Astros, a very analytically driven team. They looked at Corey Jolks. They said he can't play center. He's limited to a corner and he really struggles against breaking balls. I don't know if that's going to translate at the big league level. And they were willing to, you know, probably bet on losing him here because of that reason. Um, Still, I think a team should absolutely take a chance on this guy. Yeah, I don't think they're ruined like without Corey Jolks. I, I think they're going to be just fine. But but Jolks is, you know, another guy, same as the Ryan Nota conversation. He's going to be 27 years old on opening day and he has not sniffed Major League Baseball yet. So do you take a chance on a guy that could have immense pop or 31 turns into 20 when he gets off the moon right in the PCL? So. We'll see how he translates. Um, I do think some of that a limited versatility defensively um, prohibited him from being yep. added to that Astros 40 man, just because like they've got other guys. You know what I mean? Like Chaz McCormick jokes is not beating out Chaz McCormick for reps. Not even Jake Myers. He's not beating out Jake Myers for reps. Um, even in like the DH role, like I don't even think he's beating out Hensley for reps no, right now because not. Hensley stood on his head. So yep. The, the Astros have this gluttony of riches, and I, I think they have to be okay with letting this guy walk. Yep, and that's just what happens sometimes. And, and there's definitely going to be a team that it's worth the gamble. You know, see how, if he can start to hit breaking balls a bit better and, you know, see how things go. Jolks was an eighth-round pick in 2017 uh, by the Astros and did have a really nice season last year as well in A. also a hitter-friendly environment. And that's kind of the trend here is it's it's almost like you're challenged to, to play fact or fiction on these guys – PCL stats. You'll notice a lot of PCL prospects that put up big numbers. And it's tough because good players put up good numbers, but also there's a little bit of fool's gold in that PCL. So it's trying to figure out, you know, with the data, you know, who the, the, that fool's gold might be. Uh, but a guy that I don't think is fool's golden, uh, his ceiling is extremely limited compared to some of the other names we mentioned. And we talked about him briefly when we talked about the Cubs system and also in Matt, in the episode with Matt Mervis. Matt Mervis called Darius Hill the best bat-to-ball guy he's ever seen, which, honestly, the data backs it up. If you watch this guy hit, it backs it up. We talked about how frantic his swing can look at times, but, I mean, he plays all three outfield spots. He's a lefty bat who hit 314, 359, 453 with a 13% K rate. Darius Hill seems like a no-brainer pickup for a team that needs a, a bat, uh, that that really needs somebody that can you know be that fourth outfielder. But I think Hill could plug in right away, and you can see what he does uh, if you're you know a rebuilding team. It, it, this is one of the safer Rule Five options because I think at the very least you're going to get a guy that puts the ball in play and plays all three outfield spots. We just talked about him last week when we did the Cubs top ten prospects. So I'll keep it very quick. If you hit, you hit. He's hit at every single stop. Um, and give him a chance to hit at the major league level. And uh, this is a guy where, you know, I, I think you're okay if you're a rebuilding team just fronting 100K. And if he's not that good for a month in major league baseball, then you outright him and, and see what happens. You place him on waivers and, you know, you, you see what happens there. Absolutely. And I think he's an upgrade over or some other teams that just have not been able to have some prospects come up and kind of make that. Um, you know, 
make that transition to the big league level and make that leap. I think Hill kind of fits the mold of a guy that might be able to do that. Right. Uh, a couple pirates guys that I know you saw plenty of last year, Blake Sable, Matt Gorski. I think both are, are very, very high risk for the pirates to lose. We'll start with Sable. Cause that's a guy that I saw uh, a little bit of in the Arizona fall league as well. Um, you could probably speak better to the defense. I can speak to the bat for sure, which just being able to see him take batting practice, seeing him in games. There's a little bit of length to the swing, but he he's he he knows how to how to really be effective with his approach and take his A swing at the right pitches. He doesn't expand the zone too much. 25% K rate, I think, through the year, but again, hit for power, continue to get better as the year went on and seemed to get better with his approach as the year went on. Catcher, but can play some outfield. I like the bat and he was even better in triple, like I said, when you saw him. Uh, Sable is a guy that you were a bit surprised to see not get protected. Yeah, I I think we might be talking about the number one overall pick, right? And you know, it's funny because hey, I'm the number one overall pick in what draft? Yeah, <laughs> in the, the one of, of all the rejects, quote unquote, of the uh, the rule five draft uh, eligible guys. But no, I, I think Sable, like he could very well be the first guy off the board. I think. He's got a very high chance of being the first bat off the board. We're going to talk about Victor Vodnik a little bit later on. And I think that guy is probably the best player available as it stands right now. And he's the most MLB ready. But nothing about watching Sable for the last month and a half of the AAA season made me think that he's not MLB ready. Frankly, I'm shocked that he wasn't protected and slotted into the 2023 plans for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I've got no idea why uh, that wasn't the case, but you've got a guy that can catch at a relatively high level. You've got a guy that can play a corner outfield spot at a relatively high level. You've got a guy that can play first base in a pinch, and you've got a guy that grinds out at bats. Like that was the most interesting thing to me. Um, Yes, the data probably speaks to him being an impactful hitter and he can hit the ball with some juice. But the, the thing that jumped out was, Yeah, the 25% K rate, but he did not go down without a fight really ever. And he's got pretty solid plate discipline. I think that this dude has figured out how to massage his way through an at-bat. And I think with the defensive versatility, you're looking at a guy that should be a a big league utility man in 2023 on opening day. And we'll have just turned 25 on opening day, so a little bit younger than some of the other names. The other thing that stands out to me with Sable is you're always trying to poke a hole and these guys, because you're trying to understand why they weren't protected. Sable, obviously, his numbers skew better uh, against right-handed arms as a left-handed bat, but competent left-on-left. Uh, 742 OPS and uh, you know, put up pretty decent numbers there. Gorski, a guy that, again, is, is is one of the better bats available. A little bit more understandable why he wasn't protected, right? Because he's a bit more limited, I think, defensively, given that he did play all three outfield spots, but I think he's limited to a corner. And he did strike out about 29% of the time uh, between, what was it, high A and, and double A. And we got limited look, a, lim- a limited look at him in triple A. So it makes a little bit more sense that, that Gorski wasn't protected with the roster crunch that the Pirates had. But Gorski really exploded last year in a lot of ways offensively. And, you know, I think he could still be a guy that's worth taking a chance on with some sneaky athleticism, too. Yeah, I, I do think he's a good athlete. And he kept on aggravating a quad issue, which was really weird. Like, it, you don't see quad issues no. in baseball players that often. But this was a guy that was going, you know, full speed at all times. He can provide ample power and he can provide some good athleticism, like you're saying, some decent speed on the base paths, um, the ability to maneuver the outfield in a good way. Um, I 
I'm not sure how major league ready he is um, because he did all this in double. I would be surprised if someone took him, but I wouldn't be jaw on the floor shocked as opposed to Sable where I'm jaw on the floor shocked. That's exactly where, where I'm at too. Um, Sable, I th- would be absolutely stunned with Gorski. I can understand a team not, you know, not really willing to take that chance. Cause I feel like a lot of teams have Matt Gorski's, you know, I, yeah, I, do a feel, lot like of them. I feel like a lot of teams do have Matt Gorski's. That's what you got to look at too, right? Okay. This guy might be a decent prospect, but a lot of teams have these kinds of prospects. And I think, you know, Gorski kind of fits that mold. Cameron Meisner kind of fits that mold Same with thing. the Rays, right? Yeah, he's a good prospect. He walks a lot. He swings and misses a lot. Big time power. Good defender can play all three spots. But, you know, other teams have some similar guys to Meisner. He's probably not going to get taken because of the limited, you know, ability at the higher levels. Uh, one guy that I think is one of the more underrated names, and and I, I expect to get taken, but I could totally be wrong on this, is Dominic Canzone. I think it's Canzone, right? Not Canzone. Yeah, Canzone. Canzone. Diamondbacks. Um. Yes, PCL. And like I was talking about, we're always trying to figure out the fact or fiction with some of these guys. But I really like what I saw from Canzone. And, and if I were a team, and that's a, that's a guy I'm willing to take a chance on. He in the upper levels last year, 299, 367, 541 slash line, 22 home runs, 15 stolen bases, 19% K rate, 8.5% walk rate. That gave him a 124 WRC plus. Looking at the data. 104.6 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velo. That's well above average. Chase rate's a little high, but when you have a K rate that's sub 20% with a high chase rate, that tells me there's a guy that's just confident, feels like he can hit everything. He'll rein that in a little bit. He's a left-handed bat as well, which I like. He can play first base, both corner outfield spots. Good numbers left on left. 867 OPS left on left. 919 OPS against righties. And he's a guy that's done it outside the PCL too. So it wasn't this like, magical PCL explosion where we're like taking that with a grain of salt. I think Canzone's one of the better bats, uh, outfield bats, especially uh, that that we're going to see in this rule five. Yes, I'm with you. Doesn't strike out smart base runner. Like he is a very low risk outfielder. And I do think that he's going to get taken. Uh, shout out the 2018 Brewster Whitecaps. They went on like this tear, right? You were out on the Cape in 2019 and the Brewster Whitecaps won the CCBL. And then in 2021, uh, no, they, 2019, the Cataliers won it. Oh, that's right. You were the Don't champ. Take that and away then, from me. I got my ring. That's right. That's right. So 21, Brewster won it. 22, they were the runner-up, I think. Um, but 2018, they were like bottom of the league until the very last day. But uh, Dominic Kinzone, good dude out there. And, um, you know, he's always been a high bat to ball high IQ base runner. You know, you you look at what he did at Ohio State, right? His freshman year, 13 for 15 in the stolen base department. Sophomore year, 15 for 18. Junior year, 8 for 9. And then here you are, you're looking at the last couple of years in minor league baseball. 2021, he was 19 for 23 in the stolen base department. This year, he was 15 for 17. So you know that you're going to get a guy that does not run into outs, can play all over the outfield, and will always put bat on ball. And I think that's a safe pick in a roll five draft. And did he's got juice. Uh, he took advantage of the hitter friendly environments. <laughs> Looking at the data, he hit one that hit a jet stream in a game in, in, in double A, I believe, in the beginning of the season before he got quickly promoted off of Moises Lugo. That was 108 off the bat and went 505 feet. 
So like, I know it's hitter friendly environment, but that's 500 feet to me is impressive no matter what. So yeah. that, that's pretty freaking crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I like him a lot as an option and the left on left, you know, numbers really do, you know, I think support that. And then just turned 25 years old. So a little bit younger than some of the others, a couple of quick names that we don't need to go too deep into Jimmy Heron. I don't know if he gets taken because brief stint in triple a in a very hitter friendly environment, didn't quite put up great numbers until the very end, but put up good numbers in double a in Hartford, where it is not very easy to hit. He's a great runner can play all three outfield spots, phenomenal approach and just a good ball player. So if a team, you know, as a little bit of an idea of who Jimmy Heron is and, and maybe a little bit more clued into him. I could see a team snagging him just because I think he's a really good player. Also a friend of the show came on, you know, a few months back. I, I think Heron's a good ball player. Uh, a couple infielders. We already talked about Ronnie Simon. I would stash that guy. I think that's the maybe the best prospect uh, with upper level experience available in this rule five. Yeah. Cam De- Devani. Is it Devani? Devaney. 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 Cam Devaney is probably going to be one of the top names. Um, out of this group as well because of his defensive ability. He, he kind of plugs right in as that utility guy, I think, for any team that's looking to pick him up. He hit a lot of home runs this year, which is interesting. Another place, though, where to jet stream in, in Biloxi, we know that. But his defensive prowess is, is his calling card, and he can play all over. He can play a good shortstop. He can play a good third. He can play a great second. Uh, I think you can even plug him in the outfield if you wanted to. And even in a hitter-friendly environment, 23 home runs is 23 home runs. Hit three more in triple as well. 116 WRC+. plus. There's some swing and miss concerns in the data, I'll be honest. There's 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 a lot of, you know, like a lot of red flags in terms of the swing and miss. But I think with the defensive versatility, with the power that he showed, the team's definitely going to take a shot on him. Yeah, I, I do think so. Um, yeah, like, I don't think you're going to find very many utility guys that have 25 to 30 homer potential and if he keeps on filling into what he could be like that's a guy that is a utility guy that you know he's what do you hope he is Keston hero with more bat to ball Keston hero with a better glove um i don't think he has the power that Keston hero has i mean hero's got some crazy power yeah but devaney doesn't have the swing and miss that hero does not necessarily no so it's it's tough. It's, it's hard. Tough. Hero to... sucks at defense. Like that's the problem. Devaney yeah. is a great defender. There's not like it's a rare profile. It's a good question because it's like how often do you see a really good defender that can play all over with power and some whiff concerns? It's like it's weird. It's a like, weird profile. Yeah. And how do you pitch? What like what's the elevator pitch for Cam Devaney being on the roster? Hey, he's a bench bat that can hit some bombs when he's in the lineup, and he can pick it. I think that the big. The big calling card is he can pick it all over and run into baseballs. That's, a, that's, that's an enticing guy. That's an that's enticing build. That's why I think he's going to be one of the first guys taken. Um, yeah. And and um, I, I would bet that he's one of the one of the first bats taken. Um, you think Devin Mann is one of the first? That's, bats that's taken? the last guy I was going to mention, because um, I think Malcolm Nunez isn't even really worth mentioning. I, no, I mean, he had a I saw Nunez. He was part of the return for Quintana um, from St. Louis. And like he had a brief cameo and he had a homer and triple, but he's not major league ready. He's so far off. He's 21, though. Maybe one of the youngest rule five eligible guys I've seen in a while. Yeah. And, um, just shows you how young he was signed. But uh, yeah, he's just too far off. Too much swing and miss. And he's a horrible defender, uh, you know, with all due respect. So uh, he's going to clog you up there. Probably not getting taken. Yeah. Devin, man, I would take. I really would. Um, he is a safe profile. Because 85% zone contact, 
15% chase rate. And he hits the ball pretty hard. Like it, not nearly the exit velos of the other guys we were talking about more average exit velos, but when you're making the contact that he's making 14% walk rate, 19% K rate and hit the way he did across every level, I, that that's going to translate for me. He played games all over. He made starts at second base, first base, third base, shortstop, left field, right field, mostly played second base. This is another utility guy. Unlike Devaney, not maybe not as much upside, but this is somebody that I think very much you could, you could feel confident will be a utility piece that will be competitive from the get-go, I think, at the big league level. Going to be 26 by the time the season starts, but I feel this is probably one of the safest bat-to-ball infielders that you're going to find in the Rule 5 draft. Is there enough impact to make him a five-year, six-year major league player? I think so. I think he okay. hits the ball just hard enough. And his swing decisions are elite and 85% zone contact. He's a pretty big guy at 6'3". I, I think he could you know, grow into a little bit more power. I, I really do think Devin Mann is, is a good option for, for a lot of teams. What I like about a lot of the guys that we've talked about is is the defensive versatility, too. And man can play all over, as can Michael Bush, right? And if you've got Michael Bush, you don't need Devin Mann. Uh, and that was the Dodger decision. We talk a lot about the outfielders, and these outfielders can play any of the three for the most part, a, at least both corners. And then Sable is a guy that can catch and play the outfield and possibly play first base. So I there should be something clicking for you guys when we talk about defensive versatility. Nobody is drafting the starting right fielder for their team on opening day in the Rule 5 draft. <laughs> They're drafting utility bench bats, and there are some really good utility bench bats available. And you're hoping, you know, you, you catch a lightning in a bottle and one of those guys blossoms into more, but you need a contingency plan, right? Because if you're selling out for a guy to be your right fielder, Odds are stacked against you. You take a bench bat. You're hoping he's going to be a little bit more. If he's a bench bat, you're happy with that. So that's kind of where most of these guys are at. Here's the easier part is the arms. And because th this is where you'll see the rule five translate a lot more because it's very, it's a lot easier to pick up a guy with two good pitches and plug him into your bullpen, even if it's a, as a middle reliever. So let's get into the pitchers, Jack. And I mean, number one, I, I think this guy's got to be the number one pick in the draft. Uh, Victor Vodnik, Victor Vodnik, right-handed pitcher with the Braves. If you look at like MLB pipeline, I think they've got him as the number nine prospect in their system. I think that's a little high. Obviously, I think the Braves would obviously agree. That's a little high because if, if they valued him at number nine, I think he'd probably be protected. That said, Vodnik is really nasty. Triple digits fastball, a two, three, four ERA in 34 and two thirds innings between double A and triple A made a seamless transition to triple. If anything, he's better there. 32% strikeout rate as well. Vodnik with a hundred mile an hour fastball and a good breaking ball. Like that's a guy that even if he's not ready for high leverage, if that's your sixth inning guy, I think you're in pretty good shape. I think he's got the chance to immediately be a seventh inning guy. Yeah. On a bad team. I think he could be a seventh or eighth inning guy. We'll see because chances are bad teams don't have good bullpens. Like bad teams equal bad pitching, which equals bad bullpen. How do you get better than a bad bullpen? Um, you you take the best guy available that wasn't 40 man protected and the Braves have a really good bullpen like they had too many guys on the books here and they've got this gluttony of starting pitching. Why would you leave one of your great young starting pitchers susceptible when instead you can leave a one inning guy susceptible? And I think if a team is looking for a setup guy in this rule five draft. He should be a no-brainer, and and every bad team picking at the top uh, is certainly going to want a possible setup guy.
And let me let me you're spot on. Let me make a correction. Change up is the the go to out pitch, and it was pretty darn good last year. Uh, but the fastball is is what he's going to, to really lean on pretty hard. And he's six foot, so it's from that low release point. Good IVB. Uh, just turned 23 years old too, man. Like this guy's young, so he can keep getting better and better. He's flashed a slider a little bit, so you could even throw this guy in the bullpen and, and hope he continues to develop into maybe something a little bit more than that. So Fodic for me, no brainer. Uh, like you said, I, I think this guy could blossom into something more in year one, uh, but has a lot of time to blossom into something more than that. Uh, this is not a guy I'd be worried about giving back. And this is a guy that even if he struggles, I'm stashing him in that bullpen and letting him just do mop up duty until he figures it out because he is so talented. Yeah, I'm with you. Kind of the opposite of him in a way is is Nick Enright of the Guardians. But another guy that I think could plug in and be a sixth inning guy for a big league bullpen right now. He's with the Guardians, so you know he's not going to be a, a sixth inning guy even in that Guardians bullpen because it's so damn good. But Nick Enright, man, I watched him way back in 2018, I think, when I was with the Newport Goals in the NECBL, and he was one of the best pitchers out there. Um, this stuff is not really ticked up in terms of what the radar gun would show, but the data on his fastball is incredible. Uh, Enright, also the command is elite. 65 and two-thirds innings, a 288 ERA out of the bullpen, 87 Ks, 14 walks. So this guy can really pound the strike zone. What I love is even though the fastball is more 90 to 93, some of the best ride I've seen for a low 90s fastball in the minor leagues, 22 inches on average of induced vertical break. That is elite, elite, elite. Opponents hit just 154, 201, 289. That, that was their slash line against his fastball, which he threw 60% of the time. He's got that invisible. Like we talk about with Nestor Cortez, like we talk about with Suarez, like we talk about with some of these other guys who all sit in the low 90s as well. Joe Ryan. Yeah. Joe Ryan as well. Low 90s guy. If he sees a slight tick up, then you could start talking about a little bit more high leverage. But the, the slider's average, average slider with an elite fastball that clearly guys can't hit at the upper levels and elite command. And writes a no brainer pick for me. Yeah, I'm with you. And the other reason I kind of like him is he's got a somewhat unorthodox arm slot, right? Like he, the delivery is not cookie cutter at all. And, and that's what I think the Guardians do a really good job with because there are a bunch of guys that are like that kind of on the same um, timeline as Enright in the Guardian system. Like he finished in AAA, as did Kevin Kelly, who's got a pretty unorthodox way. Like he almost frisbees it. Uh, Andrew Miziazic, another guy that, you know, was unorthodox arm slot. So Enright obviously knows how to pitch in his frame and how to get the most out of his arsenal. And I think those guys are um, pretty hard to find. And I think that a lot of the organizations that are going to be looking for talent in this uh, Rule 5 draft are, are going to look at that and say, this guy gets it. He's probably very low maintenance. Um, and chances are he's only getting better. I, I totally agree. And that's one of my favorite names in this rule five. Another guy, Thad Ward, um, Thad Ward of the Boston Red Sox. One of the more surprising, I think, uh, guys left exposed as well. Ward was was really solid in the Arizona Fall League. He had a couple outings out there where he was just downright disgusting. It's seven K's and four and two thirds in his first start out there. Uh, then had a couple other spurts of three innings, two innings, three innings where he didn't give up any runs. I think he had. Two outings where he gave up a pair of runs and then finished with with five scoreless strikes out a ton of dudes Four, two of his last four starts in double A to end the season. He punched out 10 over five innings. The thing with Thad Ward, and I think why he was left unprotected is he's going to be 26 years old this coming season. 
And he really only has one pitch I truly like, and it's that slider. And everything else is fighting to be average. The slider is plus. It's wipeout. And, and that's how he's been able to rack up the Ks. Uh, but he has a, an assortment of other pitches that are all fighting to be average. 52 of his 87 strikeouts in the regular season came on his slider. Uh, the fat, the four-seamer is not great. The sinker is okay. Uh, that's kind of the risk here. But as we know, and as you know, Jack, you can be a good big league reliever with one pitch. And I think Thad Ward's going to be one of the first arms off the board because of that slider, because of what he showed in the fall league, which is even crazier. Why would you send him to the fall league to just show off even more to teams that have a ton of personnel there? It was almost like an audition for other teams um, after a strong finish to the year. And he auditioned for other teams and auditioned well. I think Thad Ward's gone. Yeah, I think that word is gone as well. But what I will say is, you know, maybe that was the last chance for the Red Sox to see what they've got from that word. You know what I mean? What else would you want from him then? I don't know. He only threw 51 and a third innings this year, not counting the fall league. And then he goes to the fall league, throws 12 and two thirds and pitches to two, eight, four and punches out 15. Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess whatever they saw there, maybe it was the other pitches. They just said, hey, we feel we're we feel good. good about not protecting this guy. Yeah. Well, and they knew they were going to sign Chris Martin to eight and a half annually. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> you know how we feel about th- th- those who listen to the just baseball show would know how we feel about the Red Sox. The call up, we don't talk about them as much, but I think that word's gone, though, with that slider. I do agree. Only 51 and the thirds innings, mostly between high A and double A, no triple A experience. But when you got 66 Ks, 19 walks, and then you go to the fall league and continue to strike guys out, I think a team's going to take him. Yeah. A guy that was surprisingly left off on the Marlins side was Anthony Maldonado. And Maldonado got better as the year went on. He has really good stuff. 3.03 ERA in 62 and a thirds innings between double and triple. 86 Ks, 20 walks. Also got the bump up to triple. And in 20 and two-thirds innings, a 174 ERA and triple. His slider, I think, is one of the best in the minor leagues. Whether you're a lefty, whether you're a righty, and Maldonado's a righty, or whether you're a lefty or righty hitter, he backlegs you or he'll sweep away from you, and it's nasty. 126, 175, 218 slash line against that slider this year with a 57% K rate. Fastball is at least big league average as well at 93 to 95. With that fastball and slider combination, I'm really surprised the Marlins didn't add him because they need bullpen help. I think Maldonado could plug right in for whatever reason they don't. That's a name I'd be surprised if he wasn't taken, but there's a lot of other arms that could be interesting. Uh, You you think Maldonado gets taken? I do. Um, He's a big dude that throws like a big dude. And the the reason why I I truly think he gets taken and, and why I would draft him in the first round of this is because he has one of the best like forearm tattoo half sleeve concepts he does does. it's sick it's sick so i i'm kind of all about that like big strong guy that has that like illuminati eye right under the elbow i'm all about it especially on the glove arm where you're leading with that and you're just staring deep into the soul of the hitter and it's like yes i have a way cooler tat sleeve than you he's got the closer like kind of kind of attitude to him and look to him um no, to, to kind of piggyback off that point, and, and I, I I think he could blossom into a high leverage guy at the big league level eventually. Yeah. What do you think of tattoos? You like tattoos? <laughs> Personally, I, I don't plan on getting one, but if I have to, I, I will. Um, yeah. Did lose a yeah. bet. Might have to. Three, four, seven. Ah, yeah. That's for the Just Baseball show as well. Um, Elvis Alvarado. 
uh, a name that you know may not be as as popular amongst like fans and people trying to 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 crash course the rule five draft but jack I, we, we kind of stumbled upon him as we were doing the research before the episode and I'm intrigued. 23 years old, converted position player uh, when he was signed as an international free agent, converted kind of early and has been and kind of building up his workload since. Has bounced around from Washington to Seattle, then back to Washington, then back to Seattle. I think I don't I don't even know what his whole story is, but he was nasty, nasty last year. Has touched 101 on the gun, so starting to figure it out as a pitcher. Still 23 years old. Shown a fastball and a slider that are, are are really good. Of course, that fastball touching 101, average 97.5, slider average 89 miles an hour, and even flashed a change up a little bit. Didn't pitch much above double A. So that's going to be, you know, he hasn't pitched above double A. 22 and two-thirds innings in double, though, put up some good numbers there. This is somebody that I think with the data, a team's going to take a chance. I, I think it's possible with the stuff that he has and as one of the younger guys in this group. Yeah, so he went Washington to Seattle to Washington to Seattle and then to Detroit. And he was in Detroit this past year. And he had a 186 in high A in 23 appearances is like their closer in West Michigan. Then he goes to double A and the ERA wasn't that good. He had 10 earned runs in 22 and two thirds. So an ERA just under four. Uh, but 23 punch outs, seven walks in 22 and two thirds innings. Um, I would maybe not pull the trigger here because he struggled in double and he hasn't proven that he can be successful at a level above high A. Um, that I think that's the only thing really holding me back here. He might have the best stuff, though. So I'm with you, but he might have the best stuff. So. That yeah. could be a draft and stash guy. I I, I agree. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see um, because conventional thinking would be like, yeah, he struggled a bit in double. He's still far off. Doesn't have that much of a track record. This is going to kind of tell us, I think, how teams are approaching the Rule 5 draft moving forward because if he does get taken, I think that shows that you know, they're willing to to kind of bump him up and be aggressive and, and really believe in the pitch data. Um, so that's a name that I wanted to float just because it's intriguing. Uh, he touches 101 with a wipeout slider. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. I think later rounds, somebody could take this guy um, and then you, you place him on waivers and see if he can clear like he is a fifty thousand dollars. Let's see if we can keep him in our system. That, that'd that be fun. I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. So that's why I'm excited. I'm excited to see these kind of guys and see what happens. I'm sure the Tigers are very much hoping that he doesn't get taken because uh, I think they're very excited about what he can do. It's just it was hard to justify putting him on, on you know, on the 40 man, obviously, with with all the prospects that they have. And, you know, they, they've got their own kind of log jam in some ways. Yeah. Antoine Kelly's a popular name, um, but I think maybe a little too popular. The stuff is crazy. A lefty that you know, could be draft and stash just turned 23 a day ago uh, was traded over from Milwaukee to Texas. Correct. Yeah. But has had some shoulder issues. When he's right, it's fastball slider. Both are plus and, you know, could be a lefty reliever for you. But he's a guy that really struggled with command in 18 and two thirds double A innings. So he seems like he's being discussed as a slam dunk with the mid 90s fastball wipeout slider as a lefty. But and this is a pretty big risk. I guess it's worth trying because who cares? It's fifty thousand dollars. Right. Because I, I would assume that the Rangers would buy him back. Um so you could draft him and, and try, see if he throws strikes and see how it goes. But 
he's definitely a high risk, high reward guy relative to some of the others. Yeah. And the only thing that really scares me is, is the command and the lack of proximity, right? Like he really, really stunk it up in double A after the trade. So are you willing to try that guy at the major league level? I think the answer is no. I'd be really shocked if Antoine Kelly went. Well, I'll tell you this. Like, would you rather have Antoine Kelly or would you rather have Jose Lopez, another lefty who is a bullpen guy with great stuff, fastball slider, that it would be aggressive too, right? Like he briefly pitched in AAA, but put up great numbers in double. Like who who would you rather take in the rule five for your team, Antoine Kelly or Jose Lopez? I'd rather have Jose Lopez because he's a bullpen piece. Thick king at six foot, 271 pounds. Yeah, beast. Struck out 38% of batters last year. Fastball up to the upper 90s, sits at 95. Slider, we, we were laughing when we saw the slider. Yeah. I mean, the amount of break that pitch has. You want to know what opponents hit against his slider <laughs> this past year? 101, 184, 112 slash line. Oh, in 89 at bats, 98 plate appearances, nine for 89 with one extra base hit, 63 Ks, and seven walks against that slider. Dude, throw that in a bullpen and see what the hell happens. Dude, yeah, like absolutely put that in a bullpen. Lefties, even more, just dreadful. Even more dreadful. So he could be a lefty guy for you, but I think with his stuff, he can get righties out too. And those numbers are worth the pick alone. Yeah, a hundred percent. I like that. That guy's getting out to the big league level with that stuff. I, I don't know if he becomes a human rain delay and walks guys, but ninety nine strikeouts, thirty eight walks. It's not like command has been a you know a disaster. Get some ground balls too. So uh, this is a guy that I think will definitely be taken. Yeah, I'm in. Few more names. Uh, Jaden Murray traded from the Rays to the Astros in that three team Mancini deal. I was surprised to see Murray not get protected. Um, he's you know, high floor, lower ceiling. He's a starter. You know, most of the guys we're talking about are bullpen arms, but he's 25 years old. He's put up some really good numbers, uh, you know, through double A, struggled in one start in triple A last year. Uh, but but I think this guy can pitch, man. And I think he could be a swing man. Uh, has a ceiling of a five. Uh, and one of the few guys that I think has that starter's Ability, a good slider, a sneaky, decent fastball can mix in an average changeup and good command. Um, if a team really has a wide open spot in the rotation, and again, I'm just, I'm looking at the Nationals. I'm using them as a comparison. Like, <laughs> I would throw, I would throw Jaden Murray in there and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it can't get any worse than whatever you were running out like in Yoana Doan, right? Yeah, so I think he's better than Yoana Doan, no doubt about it. Yeah, so I, I think if the right team comes across Jaden Murray, not in the first round, but, you know, like the, the rounds ensuing, um, you should you should take a firm look at, at your starting rotation and say, are we running guys out there as like sacrificial lambs? Because if so, it might be worth the ticket on Jaden Murray. Adone was legitimately a sacrificial lamb. Yeah, like they ran him out there to get lit up. The athletics, like I'd love to see the A's take this guy and, and throw him out there and see how he does. Like if he's yeah. a low four ZRA guy, it's solid. You just pick that up for 100K, right? And I think there's a there's a potential that he could be that um, with with the fastball shape and the slider and, and the overall command. Uh, if yeah. he can develop that change up a little further, I definitely think he can be a five starter. Yeah. You got some names that you want to fly through as well. And then we'll try and just mention in passing some of the other you know possible names. But I know you got some that you want to discuss. 
Um, like just a couple and, and guys that I got to watch on an everyday basis. Um, two starting pitchers, Cody Bolton and Osvaldo Beto, I think are ready for uh, a major league audition. Beto is creeping up to 98, 99 with his fastball. Um, and he's got a, a decent slider and a decent changeup. He's a three pitch guy. Command would escape him entirely sometimes. But when he was right, like he was pounding the strike zone with upper 90s fastballs and and good breaking stuff. And he was working so quickly. Bolton, I think, is a guy that should go. And I was frankly shocked that the Pirates didn't protect Cody Bolton. This was a guy that, you know, was was really talented for them. One of their top pitching prospects and then tore his ACL. And um, he, he came back from that. They monitored his innings closely this year. And he was a swing man in Indy. I think that is a guy that could very well be a major league swingman uh, this coming year. So I, I was shocked that the Pirates didn't look at him as that. Um, I hope another team does look at him as that. I it, there's just so many names, man. It just shows you like how many how many notable guys. That, Shit, my guy Tierso or Nelas. Yeah, Tierso. Like I, that's a, that's that is legitimately the Akil Badu Jason. I think because Tierso's got juice and he's a sneaky athlete. But I would love to see him get picked. Uh, Eric Miller. As well, like he really struggled in triple A in a short stint, but really good numbers in double A. He's a lefty. He's got the fastball that's got high velo slider change. You think Miller gets taken? He, he's a tough one. I think he does. I think he does. Probably. I agree. And, I, and that's that's a, that's a guy that you're hoping blossoms into a starter. But if you want to stash him as that, you know, lefty middle reliever, you can do that. And, and I think there's a lot of value to that. I think if a guy is is rule five eligible, um, you don't owe him like a, a certain number of innings. Like you don't owe Eric Miller a spot in your starting rotation on opening day. Like he's just looking for an MLB opportunity now. I, I think that, you know, he, he was what the pipeline had him at seven in the Philly system, six or seven in the Philly system. Um, if, if you're rule five eligible, like I don't, I don't think you factor into many teams starting rotation thoughts, but again, Eric Miller could be like the Jaden Murray conversation where it might be better to try that than run out of sacrificial land. And he's a 24-year-old, right? Like he could be that that spot starter. And if he earns it, can can blossom from there. I, I think the data on the changeup is pretty good. He struggled with with the command of, of the fastball and slider, but if that gets a little bit better, uh, this guy could definitely I think he's got even more upside than Murray. I think he could be a four if it all comes together, which if you get a chance to, to draft a guy in the roll five that could be a four. I, I, the more I think about it, Miller seems like a no-brainer, even with the limited uh, experience above Double A. A name that you floated, Jack, and I'm not even going to try to say it. The Guardians, the Guardians guy. <laughs> oh, Miziasic, Andrew Miziasic, yeah, the lefty. Yeah, the lefty. Yeah, Miziasic. I I like Miziasic, and Miziasic is is a good lefty relief option. Um, you know, the Guardians just like they spawn these guys. And we we always talk about their starting pitching because those are the guys that get the glitz and the glam. But um, the, the rule five, I think, is when when the minor league bullpens come to shine, they come to show out. And Miziasic was he was kind of the closer in double A AA and triple A. And Miziasic is a guy I think he was mid 90s, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and, and he's got decent secondary stuff and he is a zone pounder. So it's a guy like that. It's, it's a guy with that kind of pedigree that could be fun. Look, the data is strong and lefty who gets outs and held lefties, left-handed hitters to a 476 OPS while striking out 37% of them. Uh, that'll play. Uh, so uh, this is another lefty that 
if a team really likes what they see, it's pretty easy to justify plugging that guy in the bullpen. 13 Ks per nine, too. Yeah, that place. That absolutely place doesn't walk a ton of guys. Guardians just have too many dudes. Any other names that you want to hit on before we wrap up? I don't know. Like, obviously, there's going to be more names that get there's picked. Like, oh, shit, we should have talked about them. But anybody that, like, you really would, would lose sleep over not talking about, like, Lucas Urseg is a big power arm. But when we're looking at converted infielder, uh, converted bat that has great stuff, but still trying to hone in on it and throw more strikes, like, Urseg, when we're talking about all these other guys, like, I don't know if Urseg gets taken because look at all these other dudes. Like, there's so many good arms. No, I, I don't know. And there are guys that, you know, I, I wouldn't be dumbfounded if they were taken, you know what I mean? These, these bats that we know can be good when they're perfectly on, but haven't been perfectly on for a while. Like it's the indie scenario, right? The pirate scenario, Mason Martin is rule five eligible. I really don't think Mason Martin's getting taken because of the strikeout concerns, but the guy does have like 40 homer potential because he's built like a bodybuilder and, and he can hit balls 490 feet yeah. um, in, in the Florida swamps, like the most human environment ever. Like yeah. he's got that much power. So uh, I don't think those types of guys are getting taken. And that's the thing. It feels like every organization has those types of guys. They have those guys that are your classic shortstop, but not ready to be a major league shortstop or your classic power hitting first base corner outfield guy who's not ready to be a major league power hitting first baseman corner outfield guy. So there are some decent rule five eligible guys. I think Luke and Baker, Luke and Baker again is rule five eligible. He's always rule five eligible. Yeah. But again, like I don't, you don't want a clogger. You don't want a clogger. Like, it's no. that simple. You don't want the clogger at first for the most part. So, and I, I do think that we hit, the the stereotype of player that's going to get taken, which is utility guy that is low risk offensively. I'm really excited to talk about the guys that, you know, we didn't hit on and, and see why, you know, kind of evaluate why they got taken and, and dive into that. So we'll have you, you know, we'll, we'll be primed for the rule five recap, which we're extremely excited to do. Uh, you can look forward to that at the end of the week as well, right after the rule five draft. And also you have the Joey Loperfito interview with the Astros, who is a top 10 prospect in that system. And you'll see it. He'll be consensus top 10 very, very soon as team, as outlets start to update their systems. Uh, really good conversation in person interview with Loperfito. It was a lot of fun uh, to do that as well. So, any final thoughts, Jack, as we wrap this uh, Rule 5 preview up? I don't think so. This was fun. I'm excited for this Rule 5 draft. I'm, it's more I'm baseball pumped. content. I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped. In the middle of the winter meetings, a lot of action. Go check out the Just Baseball show for all of the discussion on the big free agent moves and all the big trades that we're going to probably see in the, in the next week or so. Uh, but we'll have you for that Rule 5 recap very soon. As always, thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Call Up YouTube to keep up with all of the other content there. And we'll talk to you very soon. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.